Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome to Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Lots to get into. Big recruiting day for Nebraska. Thomas Fedoni tonight. Is he in? Well, let's phrase it differently. We'd all be surprised if he isn't in. But uh, that announcement, a football special going on on uh, up in Omaha. And around 8.40 is the uh, is the announcement. And uh, what does that mean for Nebraska? Uh, good, bad, or ugly? Uh, so we'll dive into that. Mike Babcock going to be with us. We'll talk some uh, thoughts on Nebraska. Bill Moose had his radio show last night. And we'll spend some time with Babbers on some of the Moose's thoughts. Also, uh, Mike does a great job each week with Tom's Time. It's a column kind of relooking and visiting uh, a different time, season, uh, a part of the Coach Osborne era. And uh, Babber's going to have a really cool story on the, uh, the the 93 recruiting class. And uh, stop me if you've heard this before, the one in-state that got away, right? So uh, Babber's with us. Uh, Mike Shuhart going to join us in 30 minutes. Shuey with Wilderness Ridge. Shuey's going to ride shotgun with me Friday. Get out, come see us. Uh, socially distanced and outdoors, of course, on the beautiful deck at Wilderness Ridge Roadshow Friday with Hale Varsity Radio 4 to 6 out at Wilderness. So come see us uh, in hour two. Brad Edwards going to be with us and some open phone time for you in the five o'clock hour. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers to dial up. Email chris at halevarsity.com. Also, can uh, find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. How was class today or did you just have one again? Let me tell you what class today was rough. Not the in-person class that was fine but then I came home and uh, my first Spanish speaking quiz was today <laughs> and I started the class last night um, but it was like nice I had a partner for it and I'm like I'm gonna do well on this and we we open up the zoom and we start the zoom call and this kid starts speaking to me in Spanish and I realize I am so far behind in this class already. We're a week in, and I had no idea what this kid was saying. Okay. Yeah, so you, it was it was. Tough. Isn't there an app where you can, like, in real time record and translate? Send it to me if you, if you I, know. Dude, I failed Spanish in high school. My mother still hates me for that, and she should. I was a punk. But, yeah, I mean, me and, me and, me and Spanish didn't get along. Yeah, no, I, I knew Ola. He I said Ola, I, I can and I'm give like, you days that. in the week. I can give you beer. I can give you a bathroom. And I can give you some dirty words. But, I mean, that's, that's about it. Uh, after last night, I started the class last night. Uh, I can give you the time. I'm pretty good with time. Mm-hmm. And I think I can introduce myself. Hola, me amo Elijah. <laughs> me amo Mustacho. <laughs> the Mustacho. Okay, uh, let's dive in. Letters to get into. It, it's pretty interesting here, and we'll spend a little bit more time on that, but you have uh, a email correspondence between Nebraska, that's uh, Green, 
and uh, and and Uncle Teddy Carter with Commissioner Warren. That, that's pretty interesting. That goes back to August 10th. That was released by Andy Whitry, and uh, that's out there for some consumption. <clears throat> we'll we'll get some thoughts on that. I want to focus on Fedoni though for a moment, just because recruiting is something that, that we like to cover at Hale Varsity, do a really good job of covering with Greg Smith, and we enjoy spending time with some of the prospects. We'll have Steve Warren on the show tomorrow uh, for his reaction to tonight's announcement. And Steve has been training uh, high-level prospects for a number of years, and we're big Steve Warren guys. We have been for years. And uh, there are a lot of kids that really get trained up and trained well with the Warren Academy. It's not a paid endorsement. It's just reality when you look at all the D1 kids that that go uh, get get better with Warren and his group of coaches on top of the great instruction they get from their own high school programs. So you, you have a, a kid that is probably teetering on four to five star, right? And, and we can go down the list of just super high profile hyped recruits that Nebraska was in on and got go back to Sue, right? The kid out of Portland, he's a four star. Why isn't he a five star? Sue was big. Mitch Sherman mentioned yesterday, Stein cooler, the five star out of Southwest. And you know, the bloodlines with the Stein Stein cooler uh, family and, and you know, Baker did a hell of a job at defensive line for Nebraska, but was was a, a five-star offensive tackle prospect. Um, Amon Green, high-level kid out of Central. Calvin Jones, high-level kid out of Omaha Central. Uh, Ty Good was a really awesome player for Lincoln Southeast that ended up going to Notre Dame. So there's some high-level kids around the state. Uh, Harrison Phillips uh, went to Stanford with Buffalo. I mean, we can we can keep shouting names out that are local, and while Council Bluffs is is Iowa technically, it's a punt to Omaha from Council Bluffs, and Thomas Fedoni is a guy that, you know, as we followed this recruitment, to me it, at first it didn't feel like that he was super in on Nebraska. Now I think Nebraska has been outstanding with the way they've kept in contact the way they've pursued and the the deal sealer has been the harbergs and other kids from this 2021 class really doing the peer thing the peer recruiting if in fact nebraska or when in fact nebraska gets thomas fedoni to say yes it'll be because of the peer recruitment on top of what nebraska can offer the other the other side of this too is the reality of Fedoni unable to visit officially other places besides Iowa and Nebraska, uh, Notre Dame, LSU. Okay, but right now the the, the three horse race right now, and, and and of course Michigan. Right, I mean Harbaugh's there to go watch him play basketball, but you've got this race, and you have Nebraska likely to emerge tonight, and it's really a, a statement get for Nebraska. Okay, and you have a kid that's ranked 37th in the country. I mean, think about that. And and you can roll your eyes at rankings or you can buy into them. But every time we've we've seen some sort of footage or there's some sort of camp or you've watched this kid play 
or the highlight films rolling uh, through Huddle. He is a wow factor. He just is because of his side, his speed, and what he he can bring to a football field. And and think about the the players that that really are difference makers in college, and guys that are difference makers in the NFL. Can you get somebody that is that that big, that physically just imposing, that can run? You get that combination, and then you get the hand eye coordination and the ability to catch about everything and anything. Uh, I, I, if I'm a Nebraska fan, I drool at what could be in this offense with this hybrid mismatch maker for opposing defenses. And it's really, above all, for Nebraska, it's a perception thing, too. You can't lose a kid this close to your campus that's a national recruit. You just can't. And I don't think they will because of all sorts of reinforcements and efforts put in by the Nebraska staff. you got to get him. Long-term, because why not have a guy that, that could be a Gronkowski-type player in your offense with what Scott Frost has shown the ability to do at Central Florida, right? And we're still kind of waiting for the breakout tight ends at Nebraska, Okay. But you've got the ability to get a guy like Fedoni, and it's it's a statement win in recruiting. You're battling Iowa that puts a ton of tight end that has. I mean, let's go down the list. You've got Georgie Boy, and you got Hawkinson, and you got Noah Fant. And the last time you lost a kid near Council Bluffs, about an hour and a half, less than an hour and a half up the road, he kicked your ass every Black Friday catching multiple touchdown passes and no offense because you screwed up that recruitment. Different staff. But you, you can't have too many more programs within your own league come in, pay the hotel fee, get a yes, and, and, and leave your state just to take some of your best in-state talent. We have generational talent within the state of Nebraska. It's similar to the late 80s, early 90s with the amount of in-state kids that were on championship teams. Does history repeat itself? Again, you're hoping so if you're a Nebraska football fan. But the ripple effects of getting a Fedoni, that screams pretty loudly nationally that, all right, there's some faith with Nebraska. You've got a kid that's uh, the, 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 the sky is the limit for him offensively with his talent, the ability to come in and play. I mean, you got to get the mental part down to football first, clearly. And I think Fedoni can do that. But just athletically gifted, I mean, he could be bruising Big Ten West defenses. And he's a type of kid that, guess what? He gives you a, a little bit better than fighting chance against some of the East powers because he's on par with what they've been running out against you the last five years. If you think about the Penn States and the Ohio States, right, and the Michigans, why not have an even playing field with some similar type athletes and playmakers? So this is a monster moment for Nebraska. I have really gotten high on the drama with this, and I'm not intending to go hyperbole. I truly believe this. This is this is very, very big from a perception and statement moment for Nebraska. Does the kid end up being as good as advertised. I think he'll give give every effort uh, to be that way. And I think Nebraska will do a nice job in developing. But they've not had a chance, this current staff, 
to get a guy of this caliber and this level yet. All right? That's that's a chance for Nebraska to, to get somebody that is this high. Now, you also have Rollins, get out of prep. Prep's really good football factory as well. You've just got a slew of tight ends. And then you got the Carney kid down at Norris, who's really fantastic. So Nebraska has two spots for tight ends, and, and they have three tight ends to take. Does it all happen? I think they could work things out to make it look and uh, feasible where do, you, do all three kids play tight end? Do two of the three kids play tight end? Yes, you want Fedoni at tight end. Is Rollins a, a linebacker look with Carney being another tight end option? You sent me a, a, a link, Elijah, about another kid, the Bellevue West kid. Mike O'Reilly? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Riley's getting recruited hot and heavy as well. He's a 2022 kid. Yeah, and, and Fedoni tweeted at him this morning and said, uh, when you see the decision tonight, come join me. And I thought that was interesting because Mike O'Reilly doesn't have an offer to LSU right? So at the moment. He has Michigan, Iowa, Nebraska. I think that's kind of your race right now. I think, I think without being able to visit LSU, they're probably out of the running. Now watch, <laughs> watch purple and gold show up tonight. But no, I mean... Harbaugh's got a history of tight ends. Iowa clearly has a history of tight ends. Just turn on Sunday football. And then there's Nebraska trying to get that one kind of difference maker dude to set it off. You've had you've had moments like this with Nebraska football. And again, I'm not calling Fedoni a a Tommy Frazier, Amon Green, and Dominican Sue, Turner Gill type guy. I mean, those guys were program changers. But with this kid's skill set and athletic ability, he's a top forty kid in the war, in the country. That that is program changing. I mean, look it, at, it, it could be. Look at the guys that Frost and staff have brought in that have been hyped up during their recruitment. Mm-hmm. I'm talking Adrian Martinez. I'm sure. talking Wandale Robinson. Mm-hmm. I'm talking Omar Manning. And those three guys, assuming Omar sees the field this spring, assuming he stays mm-hmm. and sticks around, all Are three you of those doing guys. Something. All, I'm just saying all three. No, I'm not hearing anything. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I mean, we haven't, we haven't people, seen them. people just spilled their afternoon drink, <laughs> Elijah. I'm just saying we haven't seen those guys in the field yet, uh-huh. um, or Omar in the field yet, but those guys are guys that came in and made a difference right away, and Fedoni's right up with those guys in terms of hype and how hard the Frost and, and staff have been going mm-hmm. after him. So I think Fedoni, assuming he commits to Nebraska tonight, would be a huge difference maker pretty early on in his career in Nebraska. And it's a huge get for Nebraska if they do uh, seal the deal tonight. I mean, it's statement, and then it's beyond that statement, right? I mean, it's, it's tangible on-field Look what this kid can do in the offense, and look what he can do to opposing defenses. Let's uh, get John in on the show. John, welcome into Hale Varsity. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, first of all, Elijah, I know what kind of student you are. You got this on the Spanish class. I have, I have faith in you, brother. That's that's for sure. I'm betting on the Spanish class, but go ahead, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second thing, real quick, uh, uh, my heart goes out to the. LPD and their officer tonight. I hope he have prayers to them. And then lastly, tight ends. Um, they, they have a whole bunch of them on their roster. Uh, two and three tight end sets, definitely you can envision with uh, NFL-type guys that you mm-hmm. can at least project that kind of talent. So what's that say, to, what's that say about our offense? I are, think you're, are there I think you're going to – 
Are there I don't, I don't, John, world? I don't think there's changes. Just go back to the 2018 Ohio State game where you had three, uh, three tight ends on the field at the same time. Yeah, I, I hope, hopefully, uh, and, and play action stuff. I, yeah. I love it. No, I mean, you were, you were able to really wear out. Thanks, thanks for the call. Listen, you had uh, Stoll and you had Austin Allen on the same end line, and they really worked Ohio State with some nice gash plays with two tight ends. So it's in the playbook. Mike Babcock's on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Uh, Brad Edwards coming up here in a short time. We welcome in historian, author, Hall of Famer with Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, what do you know? How's your Wednesday? Hey, it's all right, Smitty. Uh, in the context of everything, it's okay. I'm, I'm lucky. No, that's, uh, that's a, a great sentiment, quite honestly. There's a lot going on and a lot on people's minds. Uh, recruiting on our mind and... You know, Mike, you've covered the the program a, a long time, and you've seen a lot of in-state talent. I look at that 1994 National Championship team, and I look at the starters on offense and defense, and you had a lot of Nebraska kids, and they were part of a, a recruiting class in either uh, in 1990 or 1991 that really uh, put the work in, and man, they uh, they turned the corner from, you know, 10-2, and 9-3 and three to, to champions, and they were pretty uh pretty impressive you know when you look at thomas fedoni i want to get your take on like just the importance of tonight where where you stand and you've got a really measured look at recruiting uh i try to to have that same same look but i think it's it's a it's a statement opportunity uh for nebraska and and i think frost and his staff have done a really nice job of recruiting but you've had uh you've had a number of programs infiltrate the state yeah, and it's really important. I mean, uh, back in the day, it was a little bit different situation. But, you know, because of social media, because of all the recruiting analysts, because of everything that, that you got going now, um, it's a little bit different. You know, perception is really important. And, uh, you know, there was a time when, when Nebraska had a, had a corner on that because, for one thing, it was always in the national championship discussion. Uh, for another thing, there was limited TV for for programs, and so Nebraska was on, uh, you know, the maximum it could be. Uh, that gave it great exposure. Now you don't have that kind of thing. So to get somebody, um, you know, because I, I've always looked at it as, you know, wait till the, the student athlete gets here uh, and proves himself or herself. Um then you can talk about them. You know that that's the important thing. But but in this day and age, man, um, you've got to have that. Uh, you've got to have that coming in. I think uh, that uh, people have to see your program that way uh, to enhance your opportunity to recruit guys like that. So I think it's really important. As Elijah and I were talking um, earlier, um, it's magnified by the fact that uh, Nebraska doesn't have football this fall. But uh, um, this is a big deal for the Huskers. Well, they'll uh, hopefully get the answer that they've been working towards getting. And 
Thomas Fedoni, another one of the kids uh, that have been training under Husker Steve Warren at the Warren Academy. And, you know, he has done such a nice job along with his coaches and, of course, the kids in their own football lives working with uh, whatever coaches they've they've spent time with at the, the high school and junior high ranks. So a lot of work's gone into this moment for Fedoni. Uh, from from people around him and his own, you know, sweat uh, to try and get, you know, college paid for and and a chance to to live out a dream playing football at the next level. Babbers, your uh, your Tom's time piece that comes out this week is going to be on the '93 recruiting class. Let's go there for a moment. And you know, you you talk to coaches who were in those trenches recruiting in-state, nationally, you know, Nebraska did such a great job at it, but they remember the ones that got away, right? They oh, yeah, all, yeah. They remember the ones that got away, and uh, some came back to them, and that may be uh, part of this uh, piece and story you're going to highlight from 1993. Yeah, well, 93, it was important because they're, they're, Nebraska offered eight, eight in-state kids, um, and Nebraska had not lost an in-state player that hit – it had offered in four years. I mean, the last time Nebraska had offered an in-state player uh, that, and the player hadn't taken Nebraska's offer gone elsewhere was uh, Junior Bryant, who was a, mm-hmm. a lineman oh, from uh, Creighton Prep. You probably remember him. He picked Notre Dame uh, over Nebraska. So it was a big deal. So in uh, the 93 class, Nebraska offers eight, gets seven of them, uh, the one that Nebraska didn't get. Uh, drum roll, you can answer that question. Uh, Is he wearing number seven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scott Frost uh, opted for Stanford. You know, uh, about a week before Letter of Intent signing day, he indicated that that's what he planned to do, and then, you know, it became official on signing day. But um, so, so Nebraska didn't get him. He, he picked Stanford, thought that uh, Stanford was going to be a better fit for him. Uh, Bill Walsh. Uh, had coached in the NFL, obviously. Um, Scott had uh, aspirations to play in the NFL, which he did, uh, as a safety primarily. And, uh, um, you know, that was, a, that was a, that part of the big story there. That, that, but, you know, really getting seven out of eight, including Eric Anderson. Yeah, Eric Anderson was great at Southeast. He, he was a he was a great player. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, you know, played offensive line uh, for uh, on three national championship teams, and uh, you know the, the uh, uh, it was just important to get those Nebraska kids. And then you know that class, and then, and then you fill out with with guys like Lawrence Phillips was in that class. Uh, Jason Peter was in that class. Uh, uh, one of the guys that uh, uh, Aaron Taylor was in that class. I think Aaron Taylor, you know, out of Wichita Falls, Texas, didn't have many major op- op- offers. I, th- I think my recollection was that maybe Texas Tech was the only school mm-hmm. that the uh, major college that offered him because they didn't think he was uh, tall enough. And uh, he comes to Nebraska and, and uh, two-time uh, All-American, uh, one, one time at center, one time at guard wins the Outland Trophy. I mean, that was a good recruiting class. Uh, one of the guys that was technically a walk-on in that class was uh, Jared Tomich uh, because of uh, like Prop 48 or academics considerations. Um, he had to uh, sit out a, a season, and then uh, he came in 
uh, that year, uh, and uh, he was two-time. He earned All-America recognition twice. I mean, it was just a really good class, and it you know it it helped. Uh, obviously, uh, it was involved in the Tom's national championship run at the end. So, uh, but if you go back to signing day, you know the big discussion was uh, the uh, quarterback from Wood River who had a remarkable high school career, incredible, incredible. numbers, and uh, his dad had played at Nebraska. Uh, his mom had coached uh, track and field at Nebraska. Um, you know, it, it was a, it was a tough thing for. For Husker fans to accept that a that a, a Nebraska kid wouldn't want to come to Nebraska, so uh, that was the talk. And, and the other thing to consider was that you know Tommy Fraser was coming back after uh, becoming the first, uh, at least in the modern era, the first uh, true freshman to start quarterback for for Nebraska. So, Babbers, you just laid out the number six pick in the NFL draft, the number 14 pick in the NFL draft, the College Football Hall of Famer and Outland and Lombardi winner, and a second-round draft pick that played eight years in the NFL and was, a, was an All-American. So far, T.O. is four for four in 93. And then uh, <laughs> four for four. I mean, that's, and, and there's others that, that had good, good careers in, in that 93 recruiting class. But, I mean, that's, that's a decade that's one class. You get you get that in a decade, you're doing all right. And, and yeah. T.O. got that in one one February. And here's the irony. I think it was I don't know. I think it was Tom Lemming. It was one of those one of the two or three uh, nationally known uh, recruiting analysts uh, had, had said that. Well, it was a, it was an okay it was an okay class, but you know it it, it didn't really measure up because. The, the 92 class had had a couple of parade All-Americans in it, Tommy Fraser and Marvin Sims. Um, and it, and so this uh, analyst said, uh, well, it didn't really measure up to that. It wasn't a top 15 class. It was okay, but and, and uh, that drew uh, Osborne's ire. He said he didn't, he didn't read the analysts because they were nonsensical. And uh, And, you know, again, I always say, uh, said at the time, look at what happened to the players when they got here. You know what? Mm-hmm. How did they? Uh, how did they develop? And uh, uh, you know, uh, twelve of those guys in that class earned at least three letters. That's impressive. I mean, uh, uh, there, there was great a couple of junior college players. Eric Alford mm-hmm. was one of them. Was a good player uh, on a national championship team. Uh, played tight end, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, I forget who the other one was, uh, but they were both contributors. Oh yeah, uh, Jason Jenkins, okay, uh, defensive lineman. Remember him? Um, and and so you evaluate that class in retrospect. That was a pretty doggone good class. That was really good. Babbers, a quick thought about two minutes before we got to jump out, but uh, your reaction to and maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't, but kind of the the email chain between. Nebraska's chancellor and president and commissioner Warren and that timeline of kind of just no response. Nebraska had reached out to the commissioner of the Big Ten and didn't get anything back uh, for, I don't know, 12 to 14 hour period. And things continue to be a mess for the Big Ten and the commissioner. And you have more and more parents groups kind of uniting. Yeah. and that, But, uh, you know, I don't know. Like I said uh, previously when we talked about this, you know, for one thing, I think uh, Commissioner Warren is doing what he's getting paid to do, which is take the flack. 
you know, so the administrators don't have to take it. Um, and the other thing is that I, you know, I don't think anything is going to change. I just, um, it, it's unfortunate, but but that's the that's the way it is. And and we'll see, we'll see if the uh, Southeastern Conference and the Big Twelve and the uh, ACC get through their seasons. I I, I saw a story yesterday where. Uh, uh, the student body at the University of Alabama, 500K positive test, mm-hmm. um, not football related, but um, just student the student population at large. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because the the parents are pretty passionate about this, and and uh, I don't think anything is going to change, but but we'll see. Well, and it'll be interesting to see just how dug in schools are when it comes to the online in person and still having football babbers you have a safe and healthy week i appreciate you so much it was fun to chat and i can't wait to read uh, the tom's time piece buddy thanks for your input today thank you be safe you too there he is mike babcock historian author and a hall of famer with hail varsity magazine hailvarsity.com uh, it's fun to talk a little recruiting. Mike Shuhart, Shuey, we'll uh, talk a little golf coming up. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Some more college football thoughts. Brad Edwards in 25 minutes. We welcome in with Wilderness Ridge Golf. It's Mike Shuhart. Shuey is going to be double dipping with us. We'll get a seat ready for Shuey on Friday as we're at Wilderness Ridge 4 to 6 Roadshow Friday with Hale Varsity Radio. Shuey's going to put the headset on and I'm going to stay out of his uh, range of him swinging his putter at me. Shuey, good to talk, my man. How are you? I'm doing good. Yourself? I'm good, man. I'm excited to get to hang out with you twice this week. I know. I can't wait till Friday, man. That's going to be fun. I can't wait, man. It'll be it'll be good to hang out on the deck, talk a little golf, a little recruiting, some football, uh, you know, and uh, and move forward. So you're uh, you're a big football guy, and the the theme of today is is recruiting. And I know you're locked in on recruiting. You follow it. And uh, are you uh, are you pretty anxious about the Fed- the Fedoni announcement tonight? Incredibly anxious. You know, I'm hoping it goes our way, which is uh, all indications are that it will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything you read about the kid, everything you hear about him, I mean, he's kind of a can't-miss guy that is those guys that you need to, to help your team get better. You know, I'm talking NFL guy already, mm-hmm. so that's pretty exciting. It is, and instead of playing up uh, against guys like that, <laughs> you know, we're talking 22 full at, at Ohio State or Penn State or how many? I mean, they were they were just slow knees to the noggin over the last few years of Iowa in their tight end play, right? I mean, how, yeah. many, how many touchdowns and yards per catch did did Fant <laughs> have or Hawkinson or even uh, Greg Kittle? I mean, yeah. those guys did—they they did work on on <laughs> Nebraska and everybody else. It'll be nice if this goes Nebraska's way for the Big Red to return the favor. So that, that's always fun. Yeah, I got to ask you—you you get a, you get to pick one tight end. You want to throw deep to off that uh, that fake option pass? Are you going Junior Miller? Or are you going Johnny Mitchell? Oh man, Junior Miller. Okay, okay, all the way. 
That's that's a safe call. Junior is the higher draft pick. So, uh, Shuey, I, I checked in on social media, and I love uh, kind of s- scooping out the uh, the sand myself. Uh, you had a bulldozer doing it today uh, with uh, with Wilderness Ridge. Tell us what's going on, brother. Super exciting. They started uh, they started the project. So started working yesterday. Been moving a lot of dirt. So it's super exciting that. Uh, the plans that we have are, are they're starting on those. So before you know it, they'll be completed, and it'll be it'll be beautiful and super exciting to be uh, operating in those and and uh, being part of that. What is the project? The folks are saying, "Well, Shuey, what's the project?" I mean, what, what's what's going on at Wilderness, or can you uh, divulge? I can. I okay. mean, we we will be turning to a private facility the first of the year. Uh, we're building a new uh, golf shop, new academy, teaching center, uh, learning center. We're building a pool. Uh, we're building a new members-only area, a new uh, workout facility. So a lot of new stuff, which is going to be super exciting. I mean, I've seen a lot of the renderings and, and uh, what it's going to end up looking like, and it's going to be fantastic, beautiful, second to none. You're still going to have uh, vodka lemonade. Every, all the time. Okay, making sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's uh, jump into some PGA. Want to get your thoughts here on the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs. And uh, Dustin Johnson was incredible at Northern <laughs> Trust. I mean, just just on fire, man. I mean, the way he started yeah. off, the way he locked in. Uh, did you did you see that coming from him? Do you think he was on the, on the verge of that explosion and? Better question, can he carry it over with the BMW down in, in, up in Illinois? Uh, you can see him trending that way, you know, because he had he'd been playing better as the season went on. But that just goes to show you when you have an extremely talented athlete, no matter what sport it is, when they get in the zone, especially some of the best in the world at what they do, when they get into the zone, I mean, it is, it's fun to watch what they really can do. And he put a display on of just that i mean those guys on the tour are really really good and for you to go out there and destroy a field like that (laughs) yeah that that just doesn't happen you know all the time so but he got his putter working i mean he just was in the zone doing it you know it reminded me a lot of tiger woods in the u.s open at pebble beach when he (laughs) when he won by 15 you know and those guys that are that good and that talented when they get a feel for all the things they need, and it's functioning at a high level. I mean, it's scary, some of the things they can do. Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf, and uh, go see Shuey out at Wilderness Ridge. We'll be out there Friday, live, Hale Varsity Roadshow, 4-6, to six, out on the patio, out on the deck, I should say. The deck is phenomenal and spacious, and we want to see out there, socially distanced, of course, but uh, Shuey will be riding shotgun with me, and I can't thank him enough for that. Shuey, what's your, your read on Olympia Fields? What kind of courses uh, are, are the pros in store for here this weekend? Uh, a, a good golf course, long, um, kind of traditional, and a little older school, traditional golf course. Um, so, it's they like it. I mean, the consensus out there, they love playing there. Great golf course, great setup, great venue. Uh, they like to play it. It'll be a little longer test than what they had this week. Uh, and uh, guys really enjoy playing it. And, again, everybody's getting tuned up. I mean, guys are starting to get onto their game because U.S. Open's 
just around the corner. So now you're starting to round into shape for for the open. Who do you like? Give me a win. Give me a place. Give me a show for uh, for Olympia Fields for BMW. Uh, let's see who's going to be up there. Like a Webb Simpson. Okay. Be a good one. Um, you're going to see the, the, the who's who continue to play well. Um, who's a kind of an old guy that hadn't played great? Uh, Kuchar. Okay. So, and we're going to throw a Luke Donald in there. The old Donald, huh? Yeah. Not sure why, but... Shuey, you've got your crystal ball out. You don't need to lie to us. <laughs> well, okay. So aside from the uh, the road show Friday with Wilderness, uh, we'll be out there. Uh, what? Uh, there's going to be lots of time, Shuey, for fall golf, my friend. And oh my gosh, it's going to be beautiful. It will be. And folks, just tell them a little bit about either the the championship course or the. Uh, the the Talon course the the nine hole that's that that's my friend uh, that that is uh, is also an option. Plus, you got youth golf too, don't you? We do. We haven't had we don't have anything planned quite yet for that, but we're still working on what we're going to do with youth golf. But uh, we were slow this week because we went through our airification mm-hmm. uh, week, so we're about done with that. So we opened up nine today, another nine tomorrow. Things will start rounding the shape just perfect for the weather that's going to cool off. So, I mean, you got uh, our nine-hole talent course, which is going to be available. Weather's going to be beautiful, 18-hole golf course. So, a lot of stuff to do. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf, uh, and uh, go see Shuey out at Wilderness Ridge. Shuey, it was fun to get caught up. Congrats on the, uh, the groundbreaking today, and best to you, and we'll see you Friday, bud. All right, I can't wait. Looking forward to it. All right, man, can't wait. Mike Shuart going to be sitting in Friday, co-host in Hale Varsity. Excited to, to, to spend time with him on that. And you know what? He uh, gave you some names for the BNW. Have you uh, wagered at all? Have you put any heat down? No, no. Not, I'm, not I'm, I'm still pretty broke from COVID. Okay, there we go. He's going to blame COVID. I got his... college to pay for, you know. Well, keep working. Uh We'll uh, wind down Hour 1 with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. More thoughts on the Fedoni announcement coming up later tonight. Reaction to Bill Moose's radio show on what looks uh, promising in winter from a Nebraska football and Big Ten football standpoint. Can join us 46637. 7646637768082558865 and uh Brad Edwards going to be joining us here in about 10 minutes uh, get his take on uh, some national college football stuff and also get his take in, in the world of recruiting cuz he kind of looks at it nationally and Bama and Clemson are still doing their thing uh, along with Ohio State reminder about moving in 2020 you can say a lot of things about uh, the year 2020. Uh, one thing that you don't want to have included with this year is just the regret of 
having a tough moving situation. West Blue Realty, there for you, not just this year, but any year. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities, and they want to make 2020 smooth, a smooth one for you for a limited time. You mentioned Ale Varsity. They can provide up to $1,000 off the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby is there to help at 402 at 540-3768. That's Tom's number. Give Kelly a, uh, Kelly Hofschneider a call as well. He's part of West Blue Realty at 402-202-2312. WestBlueRealty.com is where you log on, find out more info about these folks that have done a great job in and around the capital city, and they can help you move in 2020. And uh, they are at 1120 K Street, Suite 200. And the other part of uh, West Blue Realty, they can take care of agricultural land. They're experienced in selling ag land. And they've got an auctioneer. They can handle live auctions, sealed bids, and general land listings. And they've sold land in Lancaster, Odo, and Seward counties. Uh, they can handle a large radius. Again, West Blue Realty. Dot com. We have not gotten uh, too much info uh, regarding the NBA other than Woj's tweet that all Game 5s and uh, Game 1 of one of the series has been uh, postponed tonight in the NBA as you had the Milwaukee Bucks boycott the game tonight in response to the events going on in, uh, in Wisconsin. So that's where they're at. Locally here, you have uh, an officer from uh, the Lincoln Police Department fighting for his life now with an incident uh, around 33rd and Vine earlier today. So thoughts and prayers to that officer with LPD and, uh, and his family as uh, you had a, an incident in a situation where an officer was struck in Lincoln. And it's just... Uh, tough to hear so uh that's uh what's still going on in this world and uh we'll head back to the gridiron in a little bit with uh, brad uh, edwards of espn college football insider open phones coming up for you and uh, that will happen around 5 25 do have a jock doc on the way interested to get into just where nebraska goes and their uh their thoughts this potential winter with the season there's been some thoughts on ohio's from ohio state on just how that plan will happen and of course the email exchange between nebraska's chancellor nebraska's president and commissioner warren you have more and more parent groups uniting 11 of the 14 big 10 teams have united they've been very stern and continued Uh, stern talk towards Commissioner Warren and his ability to lead. They question that. Brad Brad Edwards coming up next on Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. In hour two, it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. In about uh, three and a half hours, we'll know the fate of the number 37 prospect in the country. Top tight end in the nation. Does he pick Nebraska? Does he pick Iowa? Does he pick LSU? And uh, we shall see. 
Uh, we welcome in uh, ESPN Insider College Game Day and uh, ESPN.com. Brad Edwards back with us. Brad, how's your Wednesday going? What's up? Oh, it is, uh, it's going great. We had an unexpected uh, high of 76 today, which, <laughs> man, I mean, for August, that, that's uh, – that's worth celebrating. We had a unexpected, well, unexpected high of seventy-six percent humidity today. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's uh, two-a-day weather, my friend, here in Nebraska. And uh, unfortunately, nothing is happening. I want to start off with uh, the Big Ten parents. Saw something pretty funny on Twitter a little bit ago, and uh, the only thing that could unite Michigan and Ohio State fans is Commissioner Warren. But it has happened. Uh, and you have Big Ten parents demanding answers. You've had uh, a lawsuit uh, th- threat. Excuse me, I'm getting choked up here. I don't know why. Kidding. Uh, you, have a, you have a lawsuit being threatened by a group of Nebraska parents, and you've had more and more parents of, of different universities kind of jump on board together. Nebraska, Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Michigan, Northwestern's joined 11 to the 14. And, you know, they're, they're continuing to, uh, to, to request transparency, answers, and a response, and, and nothing's happened. There really wasn't uh, the, the, the peaceful protest was, it, it didn't go unnoticed, clearly, but it was not thousands. It was like 30. But as you see this and look at this from a national perspective here, What's your feedback on this? What do you think of, of what's been going on in the Big Ten and what you see from, from parents of players in a Power Five conference like the Big Ten continually using their voice to question the commissioner? Well, I think the first thing it does is it, it tells us something that most of us already knew, which is that uh, there are several really passionate fan bases in the, uh, in the Big Ten, and that translates obviously to um, you know, to the parents as well. And there, there's just a lot of people that love football and they want to see it played. So that's part of it. And believe it or not, last week I was on a, uh, a radio show in the South and someone asked me, you know, are you surprised by what's going on with these Big Ten parents? And I, I guess they were kind of of the impression that, uh, that other parts of the country didn't care about college football as much. Mm. And I said, have you, have you looked at the number of people that they put in the stadiums, you know, in, in Columbus and in Ann Arbor and Happy Valley? You know, have you, have you heard the reputation of Camp Randall? You know, are you aware of Nebraska's, uh, you know, history of sellouts? And it's, you know, like, I, I, I think, I, I don't know, I think there's a failure by some people to recognize how passionate several of the Big Ten fan bases are just because there are a few that aren't. Um, and so I think this is just kind of a, a reminder of that. Um, and, and look, I, you, know, you, you obviously aren't seeing the same thing going on out west. And I think it's also reflective of the frustration um, with you know, some of the mixed signals that you're getting within that region. Now, it, 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 in some ways, it's even hard to call the Big Ten a region because it's stretching from New Jersey to Nebraska. Sure. But um, the, the one that keeps coming up, is the state of Ohio, you know, where Ohio State's been told by the Big Ten that it's not safe to play. And yet Cincinnati is playing college football. The high schools in the state are all playing football. Uh, the Browns and the Bengals are playing football. And so, it, you know, Ohio State's joining the MAC schools and sitting it out. And, and, and 
I think anyone can understand why that's frustrating. And obviously, if you're a parent, and especially, you know, if you have a kid who has pro potential and was, you know, kind of on the verge of, of being able to, to realize that in, you know, I don't know, nine months or so, whenever the draft might come around, um, you know, I, I, I get it. You know, for him to have to sit out when it looks like there are players in other parts of the country they're going to get to play, uh, it just doesn't quite add up, and I don't, I don't blame him for wanting answers. Brad Edwards with us, CSPN.com, College uh, Game Day and uh, ESPN College Football Insider. I look at states like Minnesota and Wisconsin and Michigan that there's been, you know, a shutdown from high school through college. Now that's not going to prohibit the Vikings or Packers or Lions from playing, but the NFL's its its own deal, and you just don't have – you don't have communication right now. It doesn't feel like or seem like, and that's the the biggest issue that has been kind of revealed to us as we look at it from a Nebraska perspective. And you have the chancellor and the president, Brad, that are in lockstep with the athletic director and the head football coach. But when we when we kind of go down this flow chart, there was not a, a one giant either conference call or Zoom meeting that took place between the medical experts, the ADs, the coaches, and the chancellors and presidents. So there was no dialogue to be able to listen to one another. It was, you're the buffer, Commissioner Warren. Here's what the ADs think. Here's what the presidents think. Here's what the chancellors think. Here's what the medical experts think. And you got to sift through all of it. And you've got to serve everybody as commissioner. And I just don't, I, I just, for the life of me, can't understand why that there was not more of an inclusive conversation. You've been around other conferences. I, I have, I know a little bit about the Big 12 and, I know a little bit about the Big Eight. I, I don't know much about the SEC or the ACC, uh, or or the you know the Big 12's a, a different look now. But as you have covered the ACC and in, in the in the SEC, what's that feel like to you when it comes to communication and you know, lack of a better term, direct communication between all parties on something like this? I mean, how how much better off do they seem than where the Big Ten's at? I don't. I don't think that they do. Okay. I think that there's just always been a perception that the Big Ten um, kind of had their act together in this area more than the other conferences did. And what this gives the impression is that at least, you know, this year at this moment, the Big Ten is just like everybody else, or maybe not the Pac-12, but sure. but you know certainly the you know the the I guess the Southern conferences for for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, there's always been uh, disagreement, you know, when it comes to to certain things, uh, you know, whether it's uh, you know quibbling over schedules or you know teams turning each other in for various violations. Like there, there's always been a lot of bickering and even backstabbing <laughs> in, in some of those leagues, and that's just that's just kind of the way that they operate. Um, but but you know, if it ever comes to Hey, do you want to play college football? You know, they're all on the same page as far as doing whatever it takes to make this happen. And I think one of the unfortunate things uh, is is that, you know, we're at a time right now politically 
in this country where when there, when there isn't a lot of dialogue, like you were saying, and it ends up being just a few people um, making the decision and there's not transparency as to exactly how the decision was made, um, it leads to assumptions that there are political motivations that are part of it. And that, that might have had absolutely nothing to do with it. We have no way of knowing. Um, but there are people who are going to assume that just because of this, this, this climate that we find ourselves in as we're a few months away from an election that uh, feels like it's about to set the country on fire one way or the other. Um, I, actually, it's probably a bad thing to say, considering uh, no, considering you. some of the, the other things that are going on, especially the actual fires that we have in California. But, but you understand. Um, I got you. The point, which is that this is just there, there's just so much other stuff going on that it's tough to separate these really important college football decisions uh, from from politics. Brad, uh, a thought, and what's that narrative like? I mean, do you do you hear more of that political narrative? And in one of the the email exchanges with Nebraska, you had a a, a Nebraska fan and a, and a business owner and a donor out of Omaha intimate that you know maybe maybe these decisions were made politically and if you look at red and blue states there's that assumption drawn well you got blue states saying one thing you got red states saying the other and is is that the the painting that's going on when you get in contact with folks down in SEC or ACC country, is that what they look at it as a Big Ten? Well, it, they Pac-12 and the Big Ten punted because it's it's political. Their their political sway won out. Is that is that what folks are saying? Uh, I and that's not the only part of the conversation, okay. but I I think that is an element of it. Yeah. You know that there are there are certainly uh, people in positions of power in those states um, that are. Look, I think you could pretty much go back at any point in the last 150 years and find plenty of Southerners that are going to resist doing something just because people in the North or in the West did it and say that they ought to do it as well. Um, In fact, for a lot of them, that would be a reason not to do it, you know, to go in the opposite direction because, because, um, because those regions say that this is the best thing to do. Um, so there's always been that aspect of it, um, but but now there is a you know kind of a geographical division in the country uh, because of politics that I think has taken that to you know up uh, not just one notch but maybe two or three more notches and and so I, I think that's um, you know there there there's a little bit of a lot of different stuff mm-hmm. that goes into this and <clears throat> yeah it's 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 politics it's culture and. Um, and there's there's no question. I might have said this to you a couple of weeks ago, or whenever whenever it was, right after the Big Ten decision mm-hmm. had been made to you know to not play, is that for for these for these schools in the South, there there is nothing more that they would like than you know five months from now to have crowned a national champion in college football and to be able to just kind of look over at the at the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And just have a big grin on their faces and see, say, see, we told you, you know, that, that I think I think there's a lot of that in this. Brad, I want to shift over to the, the covid battle that's going on on campuses. I look at your alma mater, Alabama, the number of covid cases. Do you think the. The fighting Irish will 
stick to a, an earlier statement this summer with, hey, if there's no students on campus, we can't play football. And I look at some of the other programs that have suspended in-person learning and gone distance learning, and some have declared that for a little longer period than just a two-week window. But if push comes to shove and they're going to say, nope, we're not doing anything on campus, but yet we're playing football, will that will that be able to be pushed through or will that, will that hit a roadblock with somebody administratively bet- between the, either the ACC, Notre Dame, or the SEC? Yeah, so I, I think Notre Dame is um, – well, they're they're a really interesting one, and um, I don't want to say that they are in a silo, but they could be. You know, the the ACC can obviously play without Notre Dame. Right. You know, as of a, a couple months ago, they weren't planning to play with Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And if Notre Dame uh, gets to a point where they can't have students on campus and they feel like they need to stick to their earlier statement that they're not going to play football if students are on campus or are not on campus, then um, you know, so be it. I think the ACC will still try to play without them. Uh, they'll, obviously, it's uh, not ideal to have to reshuffle the schedule um, for, I don't know how many times this would be, um, <laughs> you know, for this, this soon before kickoff. I, 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 was just, I was just looking at Clemson's schedule earlier and, and how it had changed from the spring, you know, where they had, like, had one team go off and they'd had two come on and then Notre Dame, the Notre Dame game, which was already on there, became a conference game and just – you know they they just they just moved the uh, what the NC State Virginia Tech game back two weeks because of NC State's issues and so I mean, there's just there's so much juggling going on but but I think because it's already been happening it's just one more thing if Notre Dame were to back out so I I, I don't think uh, even though they are such a big name that that would necessarily you know be something that would be the straw that breaks the camel's back um, but but it, it seems like a very real possibility and. Look, there, there was a time a couple of years ago that I would have thought that North Carolina was one of those institutions that, that, that kind of uh, valued its reputation academically, you know, to the point where they wouldn't have considered doing something like, like taking students off campus and yet still participating in athletics um, w- without the students there. Uh, and I know there are people who are laughing given, you know, what happened with that whole basketball sure. related mostly mostly basketball academic scandal um the, the whole idea of, of north carolina having pride in its academic reputation I think took a big hit <laughs> in that one but um who knows i mean it's just that that this is the tough thing is that there, we know how much money there is riding on these decisions and um and for notre dame with football and we have no idea whether basketball is even going to be played. I mean, we've made a lot of assumptions over the last few months, and one of them was always that next basketball season wouldn't be an issue. You know, we've always assumed that there will be a vaccine um, at least by early 2021, and that could still happen, but there's no guarantee that it will. And you, you just wonder. Um, like Notre, Notre Dame, from a financial standpoint, is as good a shape as, as any of them. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to lose that much money. Brad Edwards with us. Brad, we'll talk again next week. Thanks for the time today. You got it. We got some uh, real football coming up this weekend. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> we'll get into it. <laughs> I, I don't watch a lot of SCS games, but I, I think I'm going to have to watch this one just because 
I, I didn't I didn't know that we were going to see a ball kickoff this year, and it's going to happen. I, I can't wait for it. Brad, you take care and stay stay safe, okay? Okay. See you guys. Take care. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Good stuff from Brad Edwards and uh, a lot to unpack there from him. But, you know, <laughs> the uh, the comment he had about, you know, the Big Ten's kind of like the rest of the conferences now as far as a mess and infighting. Uh, the Big Ten had been above that for so, so long. And now uh, you have uh, so many parents joining forces to voice their opinion about fall football. Bill Moose had his show last night and some news and notes to to go over with the Moose. How does a a potential fall spring game grab you? We're all screaming, yes, let's have 10 of them. Let's have 10 spring games and see if we can't uh, put some pads on and hit one another. Not likely, but that'd be outstanding. Uh, first workout is today back on campus. And the main goal as we move forward here is protecting the 2021 season. So, Elijah, look at the, the, the prospect of seven to eight games in the wintertime. They're still weighing out what's best. Do you go January 1st or shortly thereafter and try and wrap up by March? Do you have a bowl game? Do you have a Big Ten championship game. What do you do with roster management and scholarships? Because it's okay to grant eligibility NCAA, but you're not granting any funding, and there's no money coming in to cover those scholarships as you're you're hitting pause on that eligibility time clock. It's still going to cost money to 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 have kids here. The other thing that I think sucks, and and I wish this wasn't the case, but I look at the training table. And, you know, you, you come to Nebraska and you play for Scott Frost, you come play for Coach Cook, you come play for Coach Hoiberg, you come play for Coach Williams, pick all the sports, pick any of the sports. But it's an emphasis uh, with, with all of them, but it's, it's really a lifestyle choice for Nebraska, right? They want you to bulk up, they want you to be lean, they want you to be explosive. There's ways I can put 60 pounds on. I've done it. I was great at it from the age of 18 to where I'm at now. It was called Coors Light and Pizza. And I can put weight on. It isn't good weight. It's not lean protein. And the, 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 the student-athletes aren't going to have the training table. And that stuff's like specific to them, for them, healthy for them. And they're going to get refunded that money. And they'll be able to, to, to eat. But are we doing, uh, we doing chicken fingers? Or, or, and I love pizza. But what what are what are our choices? And I, my kid's a teenager, and his metabolism's still pretty sweet. He doesn't look like a walrus yet. But given the choice, uh, he would crush bags of Chex Mix repeatedly, and does, or goldfish, versus eating, you know, some greens, uh, broccoli, or potatoes, or something that's good for you. All right, that has some vitamins and nutrients. This training table thing is is huge because that's that's part of Nebraska's plan, isn't it? 
part of Nebraska's plan is to get bigger, stronger, faster, be tougher, right? And and oh yeah, by the way, be be healthier because there's there's you know all parts of this you know this plan where what you eat, the amount of sleep you get, all of it kind of feeds into what happens on Saturday. And if the training table's gone, how responsible will 18, well, 18 to 22-year-olds be with their food choices? Don't, like, snooze on that. That is something that's very real. Yeah, if I was uh, an athlete in Nebraska, I'd be getting a $5 hot and ready pizza, and I would be pocketing that extra money that they're refunding me. Let me tell you mm-hmm. what, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty easy economic decision. It is. So you, you've got that, and then you have uh, also the, the topic of these dome facilities, be it the carrier dome, that has horrid memories for a lot of Nebraska fans 36 years ago. You have uh, Detroit. You have Minneapolis. Where else am I forgetting? Indianapolis. Indianapolis and Minneapolis, right? Mm. So does that make sense to load folks up, take an old roadie, and then play in a bubble? I think playing in a bubble makes sense, yes. But I don't, you know, you, the, 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 the college football towns and facilities, you need money coming back here. You need money coming to Lincoln. You need money in Omaha. You need money in the state of Nebraska. You need money in Iowa City. You need money in Columbus, in Ann Arbor, in State College. There needs to be some sort of fund set up by the Big Ten for these communities. You screwed them out of seven home games. And it's going to be felt. It's going to be felt around the community for forever. And you can't undo it in some instances. So the Big Ten needs to take response. Listen, the, the, the decision was theirs. But they need to bear some financial responsibility for this. I mean, there's businesses that are going to go out of business this fall. They're gone. And we're never going to see them again. Nope, they're gone. And that business is going to affect the family, and that family's going to affect the children. Go down the domino line here. The Big Ten needs to step up in some way, form or fashion, and, and refund, and refund these college towns they've shut down, especially if you see 10 games bowl games in a college football playoff with the SEC, ACC, and Big 12. I mean, there will be anarchy within the Big 10 if a season's played. If in three weeks everyone's got to say, oh, hat in, hat in hand here, I'm sorry, Commissioner Warren, <laughs> you were right, we'll gladly do it. So 12 hours a week is kind of where Nebraska's at. Football maybe in uh, January. And uh, honestly, winter basketball, maybe that thing gets rolling first of the year. So you're going to have potentially football, you're going to have basketball, you're going to have volleyball, you're going to have baseball going, assuming this all happens. So let's get into the uh, the email from Carter to Commissioner Warren. And... This just kind of speaks. I can imagine the amount of emails and correspondence 
around August 10th or 9th or 8th from chancellors and presidents and medical people to the commissioner. The commissioner had a lot of people calling. The commissioner had a lot of people talking to him. And you can't get to everybody. That said, uh, to me, what sticks out here is just Nebraska's steadfast take on things where they, they recognize and acknowledge there's risk and mitigation. They recognize and understand that there's a tough balancing act, whether to play, keep athletes uh, safe, but also the, also the economic impact and the resolution being we need to try. That needs to be on everybody's mind, and it was for, for athletic directors and coaches. But it wasn't that way for the some of the chancellors and presidents. And the negative impact that this will cause was, was highlighted by Nebraska's leaders. No response, nothing for 12 hours. The, the line that I get a kick out of is towards the end of, of Carter's email. I'm happy to engage you personally, but know you have many, uh, you are maintaining a very busy calendar. Did you, excuse me, you did tell me and Ronnie that you work for us. From all of us here at the University of Nebraska system, we still, we are still supportive of a fall sports schedule to include football. You work for us, communicate that to other chancellors and presidents. You work for us, communicate that to other athletic directors. And then 12 hours later, you get the response, hey, (laughs) paraphrasing, uh, I know you're busy. (laughs) Sorry I didn't get back to you. And uh, peace out. Just 12 hours. We'll talk to you later in the week. Thanks. This thing is such a, a, a boiling point right now. And we've been doing this for a month, feels like. And it just it's just a wear out. It's just a flat out wear out. And you have a commissioner that's not responding. And you've got parents and you've got legal action potentially. And you have schools joining arms parents of of players joining arms saying look talk to us please let's let's talk and and nothing's happening like i can't believe that i guess i you can just continue to hide under a desk costanza style here's what you have going on and this is flat out the truth Nebraska went through this with a former chancellor and athletic director, the I-Corst era. We have a weak leader and no communication and deaf ears. This is times a thousand at the conference level. This is at the top of the mountain in a conference that prints money and you got a commissioner that is spineless, does not communicate, cannot communicate publicly very well. And he's picked his side instead of being impartial. 
and he went with the decision in the name of health and safety, but more so he didn't listen to all of his constituents. That's what's disappointing. It's disappointing to me because it seems like he didn't make the decision based on guidance and health and safety and all that. He, he did it to make a name for himself and to be first. And I still keep on coming back to that. It's ego. It's ego. It's ego. And if, if he's right, if this season can't be played, okay, more power to him. But at the moment, it just seems like a selfish decision on his part to get his name out there. I understand you want to work in the NFL again, Kevin. Maybe succeed <laughs> the Fidel Goodell. I know you got to look strong and like you're in charge, but for the love of God, Notre Dame and Carolina, both prestigious universities academically, have made their decision known, and they're still finding a way to try and play football. Jock Doc's on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, good to talk to you. How you doing? I'm great, Chris. How are you guys doing? We're hanging in, and uh, it's, been, uh, it's been an interesting baseball season between unwritten rules and consecutive grand slams and the Nationals' title defense in, in an eerie season with COVID, but... Uh, their uh, their main man. I know Scherzer's been phenomenal, but you look at Steven Strasburg, uh, we have done a, a couple of jock docs on him in the past, but he is undergoing season-ending wrist surgery. Carpal Tunnel, lay this out for me. What the heck's going on with Strauss? Yeah, absolutely. You're definitely not a common thing in baseball players. It's out there. Um, and so let's, let's talk anatomically about you know, what is Carpal Tunnel Syndrome, uh, it's out there. A lot of uh, you know, uh, generic folks outside of sports have had this. Uh, but again, in the athletic world, it's honestly not all that common, at least during their playing days. But essentially what this is, so carpal tunnel syndrome. Uh, so if you think about if you, you look at your wrist and you flip your wrist over, look at the very palm or base of your wrist. And if you take your ring finger and bend your ring finger down to where it touches in your palm, that's about where we're talking about for the anatomic area. Um, and so what this is, there's a nerve that runs right into that area, and it's inside of a tube, if you will, or a tunnel, if you will, and there's some tendons that are in there with it. And what happens is over time is, is for some reason that, that tunnel or that tube will scar in. Um, it'll get a little thicker and eventually reaches a point where it starts to push on top of that nerve. Obviously, nerves are not very happy if you're pushing on them or compressing them over time for a long period of time, and so it starts to slow down the impulses that are going through the nerve, and eventually that leads to either you know numbness and tingling in the fingertips. It can also lead to kind of some motor loss, which is where patients will feel like there's some weakness there. They'll describe you know dropping things more frequently. Obviously for him, it would be you know gripping a baseball, uh, being able to put the spins and things on it that he needs to do. Uh, but patients oftentimes will you know wake up at night, complain of numbness and tingling, have to wake up and kind of shake out the hand to, to get rid of the numbness and tingling, almost like you basically slept on your near hand or arm wrong. Mm. But that's basically what it is anatomically. 
Um, and so from that, you know, what do you do about it? Well, obviously, if it's not bad enough, it's kind of inconsistent in terms of symptoms, you can leave it alone, which is probably what he's had for a while. Um, you can use uh, one of these little Velcro wrist splints that you can put on at night, and that sometimes will help with the symptoms as well. Obviously, not a permanent fix. And then ultimately, which is what he's discussed now, is, is fixing it surgically. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Steven Strasburg, Carpal Tunnel. That's our Jock Doc today. This has to be just a, a horrific situation for him. His ERA is not great, and uh, now we know why. And if you got numbness and tingling in your pitching hand, I mean, you can't be affected at all, at all can you, Dr. Brandon? No, I mean, it, talk about a challenging situation when you, you know, think about how important the fuel of that baseball is you know, throughout your entire delivery and, and how you change different grips for different pitches. And, yeah, absolutely, this would be really rough. And, and a, good, a good reason why somebody's you know, pitching performance, ERA, what have you, would be significantly different um, from that perspective. Obviously, your control, I would think, would be mm-hmm. you know, pretty terrible with these type of symptoms. Well, not only your control, but just... Uh, what are you wanting to do with, I mean, Strauss is, I mean, he's, he's undergone, I think, Tommy John in the past. So, I mean, yeah. he's, he's gotten uh, a lot of miles on that right arm and elbow. And then when his stuff is good, I mean, the guy has made the All-Star game three times. The guy's also finished in the top five of the Cy Young Award uh, a handful of different times. But what's this effect going to be? post-surgery, not only from a rehab standpoint, but talk to me about is his breaking stuff, is his change, even if he's got a a cut fastball he's working on, uh, yes, there'll be more feeling, I would would assume, back in his hand and his fingers, Mm -hmm. but is he going to be able to to be back to all-star level form uh, post-surgery with this? Yeah, you know, great question. So, you know, the big thing would be, um, you know, surgically with these, you know, how do we do it? You know, kind of going back to anatomically when you, you take and you bend that ring finger down, it's just a little tiny incision where we go down uh, through the skin, uh, basically open up the tunnel that's on top of the nerve that obviously takes the pressure off. You can do it either at open incision that's very small. You can do it even through the scope, which they might do for him. Uh, the nerve um, injury risk is a little bit higher when doing it through the scope versus open um, the issue would be, you know, post-op, you know, what this looks like is you don't really want to lift anything heavy for a couple of weeks. You do move the fingers right away. Um, but you got to be careful about putting any pressure over the area. Sometimes these little scars or incisions are pretty sensitive for a couple of months. But in terms of his ultimate recovery, um, it all depends on, you know, kind of how much damage has been done. You know, where is he out on the spectrum of injury? So when we test these, there's a nerve study we'll do called nerve conduction studies where they'll run some electric current up and down the arm to get a feel for how much the uh, um, numbness and tingling is. It's kind of what level that's, you know, mild, moderate versus severe. And so in his situation, they haven't really said where it's at. But if you're kind of at that moderate level or below, then most of the time you can basically recover the majority of that. Um, if you kind of get up into the severe category, then sometimes you end up having permanent symptoms despite undergoing the carpal tunnel. So it really depends on you know where he's at in that spectrum. But if it's kind of moderate level below, he should be able to get back the majority of that feel from the baseball. Should be able to get the control back. I really I think he'll have a really nice result again if he's you know at that moderate level or below. 
Dr. Brandon Seifert with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a Jock Doc Wednesday, Stephen Strasburg and Carpal Tunnel. What we're talking about, I look at his uh, his run in the postseason, 5-0, and 198 ERA, 47 Ks, 36 and a third innings thrown. And he was incredible for that World Series run. So could this mm-hmm. be kind of a sudden ailment that all of a sudden – happens over time and it just kind of popped this season or is this something that's kind of been brewing well what would your guess be yeah you know definitely brewing you know you just you think about all the things they do the stresses all the ways they hold the baseball all just the incredible training that they do probably something that's been there for a while uh maybe been there kind of subtly um and then you know usually these things kind of reach a point when you know, it's waking you up more at night, and obviously for somebody like this who has, you know, just such finesse and touch and needs to have that just incredible dexterity, then this is probably something that just finally reached that breaking point where he just kind of lost that bit of control. Dr. Brandon, real quick, uh, with uh, Strasburg and um, just the, the wear and tear on his body, you know, uh, what, what's... Uh, What's a what's a routine likely for him? Not just with carpal tunnel, not just with post Tommy John, but you know what's something that that you think he may be into? You know, after every start, how does he rejuvenate at this age? I mean, he's been been hurling for eleven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, definitely guy. When you think about you know the mileage on his arm. Now, granted, they seem like they've done a pretty good job of you know protecting him mm-hmm. with the volume and, and the ending issue. So you still got to be able to do that, and especially as he kind of transitions back, I think you still got to be careful on that volume and inning side, and I think they'll do a good job with that. Um, of course, he's going to have all the you know, greatest modalities in the world to kind of soften up his scar tissue and you know try to stimulate that nerve again. And so really from that perspective, I, I think it's going to turn out really well for him. Dr. Brandon uh, Seifert with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, thanks for a few minutes today. You bet, Chris. You guys take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Show's going to be up on uh, iTunes shortly also. HailVarsity.com. Plenty of thoughts on Thomas Fedoni, his announcement here. Uh, about uh, less than three hours away. And we'll have Steve Warren with us tomorrow from the Warren Academy. Get Coach uh, Warren's reaction to wherever Thomas Fedoni ends up. LSU, Iowa, Nebraska. Elijah is crossing his fingers. I think it's Nebraska. That's pretty cool if it happens. And uh, maybe it is that uh, ripple effect to get more in the boat. And there's just... Tight ends everywhere, man, for uh, for Nebraska football to recruit to. Uh, you look at Rollins that's out there. You look at Carney, the kid out of Norris. You have uh, Mike O'Reilly, Bellevue West product, that's a 2022 kid. So, uh, and we had a caller earlier say, well, you know, what, what can Frost do with the, the tight ends in the offense? And I just go back to, uh, you had, uh, I think, Austin Allen doesn't have a lot of catches, unfortunately, in Nebraska, but he had a big one. When Nebraska was gashing Ohio State in 2018, where you had two tight ends lined up, one on the end and one at H back, and you ran a pretty sweet little wheel route, and well, Austin Allen, all 
17 feet of him was <laughs> wide open for a big-time gainer. You know this pretty well, Elijah, because you're, you're a guy that was tall and athletic to play tackle. But you know with uh, what, what tight ends can do in high school and obviously in college. And then the revolution of, of Gronk at tight end with his size and speed and how you can flex dudes out, uh, split them out, and just it's, uh, it's, a mismatch, it's a mismatch, especially when you get that size and speed together. Yeah, I mean, Scott Frost isn't going to say no to another weapon. He's going to find a way to get another weapon in the offense. And the tight end position is so perfect for a weapon like Thomas Fedoni because it, it, he's going to be matched up on somebody smaller than him or somebody slower than him. Mm-hmm. It's one of those or two both. things. Or both. <laughs> or both. So the weapon that Scott Frost gets there is, I mean, he didn't use the tight end position all that much last year. Of course not. I mean, look at the weapons that are there right now. What, what do you think? I mean, Vokalek, I think, is money. I think that dude's good. Okay. I mean, I, you, I think, you don't get scout team MVP for no reason. Right. And I think I think Stoll is is a guy that they need. When they went to Stoll, it worked. And I'm thinking of the Illinois game, right? Just get him out in the flat. Is Stoll a, a killer blocker? I think he's okay. I think Austin Allen. I mean, Austin Allen's a good ball player. Raftall, you look at the the, the, the class, the, the schools that recruited him. I mean, it was Iowa. Uh, it was Wisconsin. It was Nebraska because of that size and athleticism. So you've, you've got the frames here. And what you, you came into the offense with, your offense, how does it feel with the tight ends you, you inherited? And I want to see I want to see more from the tight ends. And you you didn't really. I mean, they there's not a, a large influx of catches the first two years. Now that could change as guys get more familiar with the system. But man, uh, I just think of just all of the options between the Duck R, a guy like Omar Manning, and then you get a tight end, and then you get a slot dude. I mean, it could be a lot of fun in future years. I mean, and you can scheme out certain positions if you're a defense. It's hard to scheme out a tight end. Look at Gronk. Look at Kittle. Look at exactly. Kelsey. It's hard to do. They just get open, make catches, and then bulldoze people. Talk to you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.